Praise the Lord. Revelation chapter 22, verse 12. Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according as his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. Let's look at this verse 14 again. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. And I would like to be remembered today as we approach the Lord in prayer. Amen. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, as we come into your presence today, Lord Jesus, we count it such an honor and a privilege that once again in this side of the river death, we're able to meet as your people, as the children of life and light. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for the transformation that you've done in each of our hearts and our lives. For everyone that's here that's born again today, they are truly a walking miracle. Lord, if they would get healed today of cancer or cataracts on their eyes or something else in their body, no doubt if they live long enough, they'll get sick again. And the very thing that they were healed of may come back upon them again and may actually be the very thing that would take them from this mortal life. But if we've ever been born again and our souls sealed by the Holy Ghost, it is the greatest miracle we can ever have, for it will never pass away. And we will never lose it. So today we pray, Father, that you would speak to us from your word and enlighten us, Lord Jesus. That we might be better people once we leave out these doors today. For it's in the name of the living word we ask it. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated today. So nice to see Chevy. Glad to be in the house of the Lord. <clears throat> so after the tree of life was made a person... And brought on the earth in the full expression of the Godhead. The great accomplishment of God had finally been reached in the man tree. Then God designed, his great design was to share his life with humanity. It's hard for us to comprehend such a thing. That being the eternal that you'd ever want to become a man. Why would you want to be a man if you were God? Why would you want to be into captured into time and molecules and light and matter and all of that whenever you have dwelt in eternity? Why would you ever want to do such? But if you are who he is, there's nothing any higher. There's nothing any wider. So there's only one way that he could expand, and that was down. So he had to come down to where we were in order to reach the fullness of his expression. So he, he designed this great program by which eternal life, Zoe, would be able to be received by individuals of his own kind. I'm so grateful that he did that. 
And of course, once Satan saw what the Lord Jesus had done, I imagine on the day of Pentecost that he was so overwhelmed to see that something had happened that he had no clue. He had no clue. He knew what Isaiah said in Isaiah 28 with stammering lips and other tongues while I speak to this people. And here is the rest. He knew that. He knew of other places that there would be a refreshing that would come from the presence of the Lord. But he did not understand exactly what God was going about to fix and to accomplish. Once he saw that these men, which were jealous, which had anger and strife, and they was fighting against each other, and he saw that pillar of fire come down on the day of Pentecost, and that pillar of fire dividing itself from one lick to another to another, and going into those individuals, he realized he had bit off more than he could ever chew. Now he's enlightened by experience of seeing what God is fixing to do. Now it must make the picture entirely viewable, even from the eyes of Satan, of what God wanted to accomplish. But he kept it hid all this time that he wanted to bring his own life into the lives of individuals. Let me just go ahead and say it to you. This is why we emphasize at our church every individual must be born again. And they must have their own experience with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You cannot go in on mama's experience. Mama can pray for you. Mama can claim you. But mama cannot give you eternal life. That only comes from God. I believe we should claim our children. I believe we should pray for them. But the bottom line is they'll get it if they believe what you believe. If they don't believe what you believe, they won't get it. You can claim till you're blue in the face. They still have to accept what you believe, right? Question answer is 1964. That's what he told us. But yet Satan, it must have made more sense once he sees of what God's doing. It took him a little while to be able to fully comprehend. Now what happened here on the day of Pentecost, I can see that there's definitely a difference. But are they left part human, part divine? What part of them is human? What part is divine? One-third human, two-thirds human, two-thirds divine, two-thirds human. How, how is this all working? How is it all equating into the great plan of God. It must have took him a little while to be able to watch and see. How would he do it? He would do it through the test and the humanity and the frailty and the shortcomings to be able to try their spirit. Bump up against their flesh. Bump up against their spirit. Bump up against their soul. Now he's dealt with souls of human beings of course for thousands of years by the time this time's arrived. So he's able to tell that there's something different about the souls of the elect already from the Old Testament. But yet here he was dealing with something in the souls of the elect that the Old Testament had nothing, no way to be able to even touch what it was. Because the anointing would move on the Old Testament elect and it would move off. It would move on and move off. But now these men had something that was so different that it was something that was not moving on and moving off. It was something that moved in and decided to stay. So it was something there that was different yet trying to understand, but what about their spirits? What about their imagination, their conscience, their memory, their reason? How, how does that new birth affect that? Well, what about the outside gates of sea taste, feel, smell, and hear? Is that also rejuvenated? Is that changed? So it must have taken him a little while to see. No, 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 now I see it. There's only one third of them that is actually a new creature. And the other two thirds of them is still left in the 
human realm. So they can still get sick. They can get down and frustrated and upset. They can get so tore up. They can still get nervous. Okay, I've got it. Now I've got it. So I can still be able to send demons into the realm of the fourth dimension and be able to cause diseases to permeate their body. I can cause them to become so despondent of life in their spirit that I totally rob them and make them fruitless of joy, fruitless of faith, fruitless of patience and long-suffering and endurance, and yet their soul be sealed. I see it. I understand now. Now I see which way that I must now decide to go in this battle. It is now a different battle from the Old Testament. I see now I've got to be able to instruct my demons. You imagine as they went down in hell and the conference was held after the new birth struck the souls of the apostles in the upper room. Amen. They also say there was not just men there, but there were women there as well. That's right. And Satan began to instruct him after so many days or weeks or whatever it was that he began to sort through and understand and, and divide and separate the soul from the spirit, from the body. And be able to see that he was still able to bring to pass a great something in his own desire. Now the tree of life is not just made flesh in the man Christ Jesus, but the tree of life is made flesh in the bride tree called the second Eve. Now she is God's promise of what a true woman ought to be to Christ the man, the man tree, the word. Amen. So God starts it out on the day of Pentecost and all my everything was doing good. As a matter of fact, the prophet tells us they did really good for about 300 years. So they replicated the very move of God. They had the very life of God in them. They healed the sick like Jesus did. They raised the dead like Jesus did. They cast out devils like Jesus did. They preached the gospel like Jesus did. They upset hell like Jesus did. Amen. Why? It was deity again in human beings. But Satan, as he began to study and see what God had left unburst by this rejuvenation of the Spirit of God and see that there were still ten gates by which he would gain entrance into the economy or the kingdom of God. Remember, it's not just so much you that God hates or that Satan hates. It is the kingdom of God. It is everything that God loves, everything that God sets his intent and purpose toward. You know, why isn't Satan out there destroying the universe? Because he sees... God never expressed his full love toward the universe as he did one little simple solitary planet called planet Earth. Why is Satan upon the earth? Why is he out there destroying Mars? Reckon how many demons is out on Jupiter this morning. Not a one. Reckon how many demons are out on Arcturus and Dog Star and all the rest of them stars. Why? Because Satan sees the grace of God, the mercy of God, the plan of God, the election of God is not on Mars. Where is it? It's on Earth. And wherever God's plan is, God's purpose is, God's desire is, that's where Satan is going to focus. I wish somebody would preach with me this morning. So what does he do? He hates everything that God sets his desire toward. Then Satan sets out, okay, I see what God is doing. He's got this thing. I remember him saying that, that upon this rock, I will build my church. I like that word. It's a neat word, church. Ecclesia called out. Okay, I see where he's going with that. Fine, then what I will do, I will come over here right beside him, and I will also bring me forth the same thing, and I will call it the church. I will make them act like his church. They will look like his church. 
They will talk like his church. They will even hold services similar to his church initially until I get them pregnated with my own seed life. Then I will call them out from under the headship of the apostolic doctrine. I will pull them over into baptizing and titles. I will tell them they don't need the power of God, the emotion of God, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Oh, hallelujah. I will tell them they've got doctors now. They don't need divine healing. I will tell them they don't need miracles and many of them will believe. That's right. Many of them did believe but the church of the firstborn didn't believe it. And may I say this morning the church of the firstborn still don't believe it. They believe they have an apostolic right back to the tree of life and they believe Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he healed the sick once, he's still doing it now. If he saves the lost, he's still doing it now. If he baptized with the Holy Ghost, he's still doing it now. Oh my, it must have been so wonderful. The bride tree. No doubt it took him some time to begin to develop and understand because initially they didn't even see that the Gentiles would be allocated the mercy of God to be accepted. So they thought initially it's just all Jews. So when they heard that Peter had went down and preached to a bunch of dogs and them dogs got the Holy Ghost. Oh my, you know, that they really had to call a council meeting and call old Peter in and say, buddy, what in the world are you doing? He said, hey, don't get mad at me. I was just the messenger. God was the one who poured out the Holy Ghost. So they had to change their thinking about circumcision and change their, th- their thinking about so many things. And it, it took them a little while. And Satan saw as they were progressing and they were growing. And he saw under the administration of the apostles the doctrine that went forth. But then he saw this one man which had become born again after meeting the pillar of fire. And he saw that this man had something totally different than the apostles. Now he was an apostle, but he had another gift. And that was he was a seer of the age. And he could tell by his writings, he could tell by the supernatural blessing upon this man's life that God had something greater for him than he did for Peter, James, and some of the other brethren. Well, you might as well say amen, it's the truth. And Satan hated this man and he set everything in hell that he could against him. But yet he saw the more he tried to come against this man, the more revelation God gave to him. And the more he tried to stop him, the greater the church grew. And he found out this man was going to be an instrument, one of seven, by which the Lord Jesus held in his right hand. The mystery of the seven golden candlesticks was not even revealed in the days of Paul. It was not revealed in the days of some of those others but in the days of John on the Isle of Patmos then we see the magnificence and the glory and the superiority of those seven church age messengers as they were found standing in the right hand of Jesus Christ do we believe they are important today we still believe the same thing if it was important enough to God to put Paul in his hand and put Arrhenius in his hand and others of those men in his hand I think it's pretty important for us to listen to what they had to say 
the great church oh my when it began to arise in the power of God they were human beings yes but there was something more than human about them they were human but they were divine they were sublime and yet they were faulty they were a great paradox within themselves they were a work of the supernatural they were touched by the power of almighty God and yet there was so much human that they could still get sick they could still have frailty they could have differences among them they could be filled with the Holy Ghost and yet Simon Peter still need to be rebuked by the prophet Paul because he got carried up with dissension among the brethren and the church said it's the same with us today don't you understand the true baptism of the Holy Ghost has been restored with all of its signs all of its wonders all of its supernatural and yet we are still humans we can get down we can get sick we can get weary we can get frustrated but praise be to God only a few more seconds of the sun and we're going to move into the last phase of our mortality and our bodies are going to be changed and we're going to be like the glorious son of God now you imagine this great big beautiful tree oh my the supernatural is emanating from every service the presence of God is among them and demons are constantly running down into hell telling what they're doing. And they, they just cannot believe the phenomena that God has done. That deity has been divided in a multiplied form. They did not have a clue that the prophecies of what God was going to do was now actually imparted in men and women and former slaves and all kinds of different people. Remember the book of Philemon is actually a personal letter written from Paul to a brother by the name of Philemon, which was a man who lived in the city of Colossae. He was a rich man, not a preacher, not a deacon, but just a rich man. And he allowed the church to be able to meet in his house because they didn't have church buildings as we do today until the first 300 years after Christianity so there was no church so they would actually meet in their houses and then they would have what they call a feast love feast or charity feast and these rich people there was the poor there were slaves there was all kinds of people that would come in and these rich people would let them meet in their homes and they would have church in their homes and then after church they'd push back their seats of where they had worshipped and they would have feasts together called love feasts Jude mentions them and he said these people are showing up and they are spots they are spots in your feast of charity now for some of the poor people it was the best meal they would have all week long so the rich saints would actually become hosts and after church they would of course be able to meet together and then during this time also many times at the beginning or at the end they would have what we call the Lord's Supper so they was gathering together my the sick were being healed the dead were being raised people's lives were being changed and Philemon was this type of a man. But remember, Philemon had a slave. And this slave had met Paul in his journey. His name is Onesimus. And Paul had actually, by the grace of God, been able to bring this man to a conversion. Now, according to Roman law, whenever a slave ran away, that master he could bring him back or he could actually call for that man's life and the man could be killed. So Paul is actually writing to Philemon because of the grace of God and the abundant mercy. And Paul does not use a general as he appears 
appeals and initially was the apostle I'm the apostle I'm this and that but he simply says a slave a bond slave or a servant the man of God knows what he's doing he's fixing to ask Philemon for pardon for Onesimus so he wants to approach him in a way by which he will be able to move upon him not only his soul but his spirit so he approaches this man on the very auspices not as an apostle not as a prophet but as a slave himself so here is one slave asking for the freedom of another slave now it shows to us that your Philemon was a great man and yet Paul those of you who heard the service last Sunday Paul uh, was able by the grace of God to show this man that there was more things that he could do to help him to be a better person and that was confessing or saying those things which he was in Christ Jesus Amen. So the church then grew and grew. Now they multiplied, yet they didn't have no buildings like this. So they would meet here and there and there and there because they could not be able to afford it and the government would not let them start them. And it began to grow spiritually and naturally. It was a great tree of God. It was the bride tree. It was the beginning of God's image of the true Eve. Now remember that promised word that was given to Eve was replenish and multiply. Now whenever he fell away from the promise of the word that promise of God what happened to it it circled the earth it circled the earth as it was looking for a heart looking for a life to be able to land into that now that cannot be able to be fulfilled by Mary because it was spoken to both male and female Adam and Eve so what did God do God let that promise circle the earth as it was until there was an Eve or a bride tree on the earth then the second Adam could catch that promise funnel it down to his Eve, amen, funnel it down to his Eve and begin to spiritually propagate the kingdom of God, which is not by joining church, shaking the preacher's hand, but multiply and replenish. Amen. So what happened, my brother, sister? They started preaching the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the new birth, regeneration, redemption, forgiveness by the blood, pardon. They started dealing with all these things. And what did it do? It naturally reproduced more of the same type of children. And Satan tried his best to stop it with persecution. That didn't work. He tried to shut them up by the law. That didn't work. So he said, I know what I'll do. I'll get among them, act like them talk like them and convince them I'm one of them and I'll destroy them from within I'll come in amongst them I'll act like them I'll talk like them I'll sing like them I'll I'll shake like them I'll quiver like them and I will from within annihilate this tree and it looked like he did The time he got done with it, it was broke off clean at the top of the ground. But the roots had predestinated life in it. <laughs> well, sometimes me and you may feel like the devil done took his chainsaw and cut us smooth at the top of the ground. But I'll tell you what, we got predestinated life done on the inside of our soul. You may lose everything you've got. You may lose every friend you've got. You may come to a place, you ain't got a nickel to buy you a cracker on the side of the road. But if your life is in his hand, oh my, if God be for us, who can be against us? 
Oh my. Notice the prophet said, let this big picture, this big tree of God's tree. It's bearing nine spiritual fruits. They're healing the sick. They're speaking in tongues. They're casting out devils. They're doing great works. And preaching the unadulterated word of God. No denomination to tie them down. They're free, doing a great work. So in come this little old devil setting up a two horn setting out on his little greedy teeth. That's his first, the palmer worm. He come in to eat off brotherly love. And he said, you know, so-and-so and so-and-so over at so-and-so church. I wouldn't believe that bunch of people. There is what he done. And exactly started eating on that tree. Now, it took him a while to be able to understand the element of humanity still remains. I hope most of you understand the element of humanity still remains in all of us. No matter how filled with the Holy Ghost we are, we're still human beings. And you might as well say amen to what I'm fixing to say because there's some human beings we just don't like. There's some human beings we have a hard time getting along with. Amen, Brother Donnie. Preach, buddy. I'm behind you. I'm with you. What is it that classes? If you're born again and I'm born again, what's the problem? It ain't our born again experience. It's the human part that ain't born again. Well, this was still in the first church and Satan knew it. So he started conniving this plan to be able to come up with a way by which he could make God ashamed of himself and try to make God feel totally humiliated by imparting his divine life. As long as God had this life in himself, it was protected from humiliation. As long as God had this life within himself, it was protected from shame. It was protected from the rottenness of humanity. And Satan now, he can't get that life out. But now he wants to make it appear that God would be ashamed of himself and try to make God say I made a mistake but that's totally impossible because God don't make mistakes that's right so he's going to start eating from within notice again now he said now next he wanted to eat on the fruit of faith faith in the word now look how do you know that this word it's been translated so many times and that that little devil still eating that's right that word's been translated so many times how's this or that or the other that's another fruit to eat off the joy of salvation you people make too much noise some of y'all don't even say amen no more you just nod can you show me that in the bible now Cain went to the land of Nod but I'm not sure it's such a good place to go <laughs> well praise the Lord so what's now so he starts eating and he, he works on brotherly love try to come among the saints and to cause differences among the body because he realizes this is part of the unconverted element which is still in this bride tree so they are bride tree but they're also still human life and he goes to concentrating on those weaknesses which are left there if you wanted to gain access into my office why would you stand there and take your fist and beat on the wall and beat through the sheetrock and beat through the insulation 
and then beat to the other side of the sheetrock and be able to go through all of that mess when you can open the door. You see, so Satan knew that there was doors. See, taste, feel, smell, hear, imagination, conscience, memory, reason, affection, ten gates which are still accessible to him and his demons. Why beat his brains out trying to knock down the wall of the Holy Ghost when he can go through the weakness of your spirit? Go through the well. Uh, Hallelujah. Go through the weakness of your flesh and just leave your soul as it was alone. Just don't even tamper with your soul. However it is that demons are able to perceive whether the pulsation of light or whatever it is that they're able to see that constantly from your beam of your soul is emanating light. And you know a human being cannot do that. There's a way that he's able to look. But yet seeing that and saying, well, just leave his soul alone, boys. He's done sealed. But I want you to just aim for his body, aim for his spirit, get him down, get him frustrated frustrated, get him all upset, uh, get him to where he's just a fruitless Christian. He's in Christ, he has the Holy Ghost, but every fruit is gone off of his life. Every leaf is gone off of his life. The bark is gone. Oh my, my, my. Lord, children, I, it ought to make every one of us search ourselves today in the light of the tree designed by God and see where we are. Notice this in Romans 10, 7. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And how can they believe except there be a preacher? And how can he preach unless he be sent? Right? Notice again in Hebrews eleven six. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. So you can see then that that little stage of this little critter, he wanted to start eating on their fellowship and then start eating on personal faith. A fruit that comes out of your life. That great thing that God himself gives you. Oh my, well hallelujah, I believe it with all of my heart. And Satan says, attack him. Let him meet some intellectual person that will raise questions about how many times the Bible has been translated. Or let him meet some intellectual person that say, I've scanned all the newspapers in Louisville. I've looked on every microfiche and I've done this and that and the other. I can't find no record where 20 some men fell off of a bridge. You know what they're trying to do? Undermine your faith. Well, what you might want to do is look at the lives of some of them people today. And what you'll find out that some of those people who started out questioning today don't even believe in God. Now, if that's the way you want to go, that's entirely up to you. Well, praise the Lord. Why? Because it undermines faith and begins to erode and eat on your faith. Well, I don't understand this and I don't understand that. What does Satan want you to do? In the Garden of Eden, Satan chose man's head. God chose man's heart. And Satan constantly wants man to rely upon his intellect. Well, I can see that. I can understand. I can't figure that out, though. You'll never figure it out. Malachi 4 was not sent to turn our heads to God, but turn our hearts to God. The new births don't come from your head, it comes from your heart. 
If I listen to my head, a lot of times what I preach, I wouldn't preach. Because my head knows if I preach it, I'm going to get in big trouble. So my head tries to talk me out of doing what my heart knows I need to do. And you know which one wins out. Notice again in Acts 14.22. Confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith. So now they're already in the faith. But they wanted to exhort them to continue in the faith. That we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. Acts 16.5. And so were the churches established in the faith. And increased in the number daily. So now here they've moved into another state of faith that they're not initially accepting it but they are becoming established and remember whenever Luke used the word churches don't get in your mind like today well you go back to a Baptist church a Methodist church a Pentecostal church they would not be gathering like this they did not have their own building they did not have their own music but it would have been in somebody's house this is why Paul greets those that has the church in their house here and their church in their house here and the church in their house here think how blessed you are to be able to live in an era and age when we can have a place that is dedicated. Now, I realize some of you would have had a hard time living in the first century because there was people living in that house. There was people that fried their meat for breakfast in that house before church. They would have ate their breakfast more. Well, some of you fixing to pull away from me now. They just changed their clothes. They just slept in that house the night before, but they had no place else to go. But they believed somehow God would accept them at that and they were able to push back the dining room table and maybe push back this and that and the other and that living room became the sanctuary of the Lord because they knew the house of God was not just four walls but they had already received a revelation we're the house of God so if we need to meet in the living room let's meet in the living room if we need to meet in the basement let's meet in the basement who knows it may come back to that again Notice in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 24. Not for that we have dominion over your face, but are helpers of your joy. For by face ye stand. Not reasoning, not understanding, not intellectually, not by the mind, but by your face you stand. Second Thessalonians 1.11 Wherefore also we pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the, oh I love these scriptures, all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power. 1 Timothy 1.19, holding faith, which is to claim as your own personal possession, pull to yourself so no one can take it away. Holding faith and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck. Now, can people fall from faith or lose faith? Oh, yes. Some people are ordained from hell. To be sorcerers. To try to pull people away from faith. That's not who I am. But I said some people. I'm called to help people's faith. But just as I'm called. And many of you are called to help people's faith. There are other people. That are ordained. They have demonic anointings on them. And they are ordained from the regions of the lost to go about and to try to pull away people from the faith. Amen. 
Acts 13 8. But Elymas the sorcerer, for so is his name by interpretation, withstood them seeking to turn away the deputy from the face. What was he? A sorcerer. Sorcerers still do it today. Huh. Well, some of y'all got so quiet. My goodness, y'all didn't die on me, did you? First Timothy chapter 4 verse 1. Now the Spirit speaking expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. Notice now they're not saying that at that time there wasn't a Baptist faith, a Methodist faith, a Church of God faith. There was only one faith and actually there still is just one. But he said that there'll actually be some that will depart from the faith which is the original faith giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Why in the world would devils want doctrines? Now why in the world would a demon out of hell want doctrines? Because they are very useful when you're dealing with religious people that don't know where they stand. Now there are some devils who specialize in cancer, some who specialize in disease, and some who specialize in all types of darkness out here in the world. There are other devils, they are associated and called religious devils, which are seven times worse, of course, than another devil. And they work totally and entirely mainly in the body of religion. And in there these demons concoct and come up with all kinds of ideas. Can you imagine demons studying the word of God and studying the move of God, every move of God demons have got into it and they have formulated doctrines based upon the message of the hour of that day and those demon spirits got right into the message of that hour and they started studying that message and pulling out cliches and certain words that would cause a denomination of well hallelujah Oh my, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. 1 Timothy 6.10 For the love of money is the root of all evil, while some having coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Chapter 6 verse 21 Which some professing have erred concerning the faith. Grace be with thee. Amen. Now here they're already dealing with fall away. So what happened to the church? What happened to that big beautiful bride tree? Satan raised up some more little trees right among them. And they said now you don't have to get all worked up about that stuff. Well, that preacher, he's just, he's a fanatic. There's no need in a man getting so all bent out of shape. Well, if people were getting all bent out of shape over kicking a little brown football about that long and running back and forth and back and forth in the snow, in the rain, in the cold, in nearly half frostbite, and sat out there with electric blankets. I wonder how many of you would be here today if it was cold in the middle of winter like it would be in the NFL season and people having to sit there with gloves on and earmuffs on. I wonder how many folks would be present in Happy Valley. You know why? Because church don't mean as much to you as football does to them. Well, somebody told me the other day one of the highest prices ever paid for a seat in a certain football game was $22,000. And they had no promise that their team would even win. And you get to come free of charge, and I can't even get you to come then. Well, praise the Lord. 
Why? Because you've lost some of your fruit. If the love of God was burning in your heart like it ought to be, my goodness, it ought to be burning inside your heart. You couldn't wait to come through them doors. Mama, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 18, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already and overthrow the faith of some. Of course, this is Aminius and Philetius. And we know that these men got under these demonic spirits of doctrine. And they begin to take, maybe it was the first resurrection of Matthew 27, 53. Maybe it was quotes that the third prophet had said, Paul. And they begin to take those quotes and those demons begin to take those quotes and weave together a picture that it seemed as if though the resurrection was already passed. Now these were actually doctrines of devils and they were false. But you had these preachers and the message that was preaching them. Well, hallelujah, amen. And you know how that is when a man thinks he sees something and he never wants to see it by himself. He always looking for converts. And they found them and they actually overthrowed the faith of some people by saying that the resurrection is already passed. And they said, well, if it's already passed, I'm getting out of here. This is a crazy bunch of people. So you imagine that little greedy devil. <laughs> I got that brotherly love. Now I'm working on their faith. <laughs> you better beware. For that little greedy devil is still alive. He wants to work not only on the faith of the church of Happy Valley. He wants to work on your faith as an individual. Well, you can't believe this and you can't believe that and you better watch that little old devil. He's got his little antenna stuck up on his head and his little old greedy teeth and he's looking at you. He wants your joy. He wants your peace. He wants your happiness. He wants your satisfaction in serving God. And there ain't but one person that can deny him of that fruit and that's you. Well, some of y'all want me to do it for you, but I cannot do that for you. Mine must have been so sad, Brother Terry. As this doctrine of demons started moving around the message of the hour, it must have been upsetting and alarming. Notice Paul said, who concerning the truth of error, saying that the resurrection is past already and overthrow the faith of some. But Paul wanted to counterbalance the negativity that he's given to him with some positivity. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. Having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. That's a balanced picture. I love that. I love that we have to strike false. We have to strike error. But I love it when a man of God has had the balance within himself to know that you're able to strike the negative but also encourage with the positive at the same time. Paul said, don't get down, don't get discouraged. He said, let me tell you this, there is a seal of the living God that the Lord knows them that are his. Let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Oh my, the prophet goes on to say, next he wanted to eat on the fruit of faith, faith in the word. 
Now, how do you know that this word has been translated so many times? That little devil's still eating. Oh, that's right. That word's been translated, this and that and the other. That's another fruity heat off. Joy of salvation. Shh. Some of y'all would like a preacher like this, wouldn't you? Good morning. I'm sorry, friends. I just can't hold my face like that long. It hurts. I know they say it takes less muscles. You're having a hard time convincing me right now with that. Well, are you going to preach against homosexuality? Oh, I don't want to condemn nobody. You'll be in hell with them. Now, Brother Donnie, you're going to get us in trouble. You can't say it ain't right for a woman to marry a woman. Oh, but I can. It's against the Word of God for a woman to marry a woman. It's against the Word of God for a man to marry a man. You're going to get us in trouble, Brother Donnie. I'm more concerned about getting you in the rapture than I am in trouble. Notice this, he said, so we find out he took away the joy. You know, David one time lost the joy of his salvation. He didn't lose his salvation, but he lost the joy of it. He cried, Lord, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. See, this little palmer worm, he began to eat the fruit of joy. Now look at here, you people make too much noise. Now what in the world has joy got to do with noise? Apparently, Brother Brennan must have felt like joy and noise went together. Stimulation of revelation. No doubt there's a lot of folks this morning, let's say it's 10 minutes after 12, a lot of them are still trying to get over, been hung over last night. They went out and got high, they got drunk, they done this and that and the other. You imagine they went in, they drunk, they drunk, they drunk, they drunk, they said, how you doing? Oh, I got to get drunk. I'm an alcoholic. I hate it. I dread it so bad. He can't wait to get there. He can't wait to get as drunk as a dog and make a fool out of himself. He can't wait and yet we sat around like a bump on a pickle and we want to all my let people around this message intimidate us. You should not be intimidated by people who don't want you to worship God. It ought to be burst inside of us to worship our creator. I seen a message preacher a few years ago and first time I'd seen him in a while and he said, how are you, Mr. Pentecost? I said, I'm fine, how are you? I didn't call him what I thought he was. <laughs> Brother Phil, he meant to intimidate me by that. It didn't intimidate me all at all. It was a compliment, especially when I find out my prophet said Pentecost is God. I'm talking about 1906. I'm talking about the original Pentecost. The original Pentecost is what I'm preaching, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So here come that palm oil. What you start on the fingers for? Do it with clapping hands. Uh, 
I shall not be, I shall not be moved. <laughs> oh my, look at here, you people make too much noise. I tell you all this crying and saying amen. So you see, Brother Branham wasn't just saying people jumping and hollering. But it was people crying. That's noise too. <laughs> Glory. All this crying and saying amen and this shouting, that's nonsense. There's nothing to it. And the first thing you know, you're sitting in a big morgue. Sitting there and all of them dead. Some of these embalming fluids of so-called doctrines of creeds pumped into their veins where the Spirit of God ought to be running. This is not Happy Valley Funeral Home. This is not Happy Valley Crematorium. We have not come to bury you, but to raise you from the dead. Amen. We've not come to pump you full of embalming fluid, but the resurrection of the life. So what does Satan want to turn, turn a lot of the preachers into in the message? Undertakers. So sorry about your loss. What color suit would you like to be buried in? Do you want a flower or not? What about your casket? Cedar? Oak? Oh, you're a poor person. Pine will do. We're here to comfort you. Right. Then people give me the creeps. <laughs> so come and join our message church. We don't believe in the power of God no more. We don't believe in the resurrection. We don't believe in healing. We don't believe in preachers. We believe in embalming fluid. So let me hook up your ivy. Ah, I'm feeling it. Ah, you getting calmed down? I am. I'm plum calm. You feel like shouting? I don't. You want to run now? I ain't got the energy. Good, it's going to work. Well, it will not go to work on us. We don't want no IVs full of bombing and fluid. We don't want no doctrines of devils. We don't want no Jesus that's dead. We don't want no message that's dead. We want one that's alive. One that will save our children. One that will heal our bodies. One that will fill us with the Holy Ghost and get us out of here one day. Don't give me no embalming fluid, but fill me with the Holy Ghost. old church creed pumped in there no wonder they're icy cold and dead 
spiritual thermometer 90 below zero. Brother Louis trying to get you to say, Praise the Lord, say, Praise God. I'm afraid my fingers will fall off. I can't get my arms up. It's the best you can do. That's it right there. Let me go where we all can see it. And then the morgue preacher walks up. Evening, friends. We welcome you to the house of horrors. I ain't interested in the house of horrors or horrors. Lead me to where I can find life. Lead me to a place to where if I die and you bury me, hallelujah, that that quickening power will never leave my body. Don't pump me full of dead embalming message fluid, but pump me full of life. Pump me full of the resurrection of the power of God. The old church creed pumped in there. No wonder they're icy cold and dead. Spiritual thermometer 90 below zero. Yeah, somebody say amen. amen. And everybody stretched their neck around like some kind of goose or something. Want to know what said that? You know what's a crying shame when Brother Brandon preached this? It was happening in the denominational churches. Now it's in our own ranks. He said, it's a shame when the Spirit of God ought to be joy, peace, love. But this little old bug started eating on it. And he eat all the joy away. So people still go to church. They pay their dyes. They're not near as happy to pay them because when joy is gone, it makes everything miserable. Just to pray, you don't like it. Just to get ready for church, you don't like it. Joy, friends, you have to have joy. Let me emphasize, I'm not talking about worldly joy. I'm talking about divine joy. Without divine joy, you will not be able to survive in this age. And there has never been an age with the onslaught of hell against our joy in Christ Jesus. Notice Nehemiah 8.10. Then he said unto them, go your way, eat the fat. And drink the sweet. That don't sound like a bombing fluid to me. Eat the fat and drink the sweet. And send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be you sorry. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Look at this word strength. It means place slash safety, means of safety, protection, refuge, stronghold, harbor. So the joy is your stronghold. Can't you see, he don't have to break the seal on your soul. He don't not have to go, oh, I don't die, I don't, I don't believe the message no more. I don't believe, all he's gotta do is rob you of your joy. 
the joy of the Lord. Not your joy, not human joy. The joy of the Lord is your habitable strength. It is your hiding place. How many of us will be honest this morning and say that greedy devil has eat on our joys, Christians? And yet, no doubt, many of you are sealed with the Holy Ghost, filled with the baptism of the Spirit of God. God is much eternal life in you as you'll ever have. You'll never be no more saved than you are right now, no more sealed. But that devil's focusing on your fruit. Because he knows the joy of the Lord is your strength. And you know as well as I know, many of the things he uses in this day is things beyond our control in the first place. He knows there ain't one thing we can do to fix it. We've got problems in our families, problems in our home, problems in the job, problems in politics. Everywhere you look, there's problems. And we get weighted down with this and that and the other. Instead of looking forward to every day to be another day that we can be for the victorious child of God, we, we hope we die in the night. We hope we don't even get up the next morning. Why? We're miserable. Don't blame it on your desire to go to heaven. Just face the facts you've lost your joy. And serve an almighty God. I want to serve him every day of my life until the last day of my life. St. <laughs> John 15, 11, these things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. As 1352 and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. Romans 14, 17, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Romans 15, 13, now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Some of us get satisfied because we're believing. That's not what the scripture says. The scripture wants us to be full of hope and joy while we're believing instead of sitting around, I'm a believer. Now children, don't you want what I've got? Get away from that old wacky hole. Get away from them old cigarettes and come and get what I got. Oh. You're a poor advertisement. Well, I kind of figured when I got down where y'all live, y'all get quiet on me. I'm not going to ask you if I can go on a little farther. Last night you was begging me to go on today. But say, close, close, please. First Peter 1.8. Whom having not seen, ye love. Oh, praise God. In whom though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Now, Peter had saw him, but he was writing to people that had not seen the Lord Jesus. He said, yet you believe him. You didn't see him. You don't see him now. But you are serving him with such joy that you just... 
I can't even express it. It's so good. Oh, I can see right now a bunch of y'all have got it. Y'all just can't say it, can you? Just It's just so good. So good. Are you about down, Brother Donnie? No, I'm not. <laughs> and these things right way unto you. First John 1 4. That your joy. Children, can't you see? What he wants is for us not just to have joy, but full joy. And what do we do with every day? Kill joy. So when we come to church, the song leader has to get up. You got to prime that old pump. You got to take a little water. Y'all know what the most circle pumps is, don't you, many of you? That's the kind of we have whenever I was a kid at home. So we had that old pump in the back. We had a system in the back. If you've ever preached on that system before. And have to take a little water and put it down there. Put a little more. And you're priming it. Now that's what the song leader does. All right, let's everybody give the Lord a hand. I mean, sure to have church. Amen. And Louis says, what? Y'all wake up. Well, hey, how many, what about the rest of y'all? Hey, how many of the rest of y'all come here to have church? What's the matter with y'all? Then he gets back on the sucker pump. Because <laughs> he's trying to let, at least let there be a little dribble when I come out. Well, I'll tell you one thing, Brother Donnie. I believe I can do a better job. Give me your name after church and we'll see you Wednesday night. It's easier for you to sit back here and criticize when you ain't never been up here and done it in the first place. <laughs> oh my goodness. Last time we was mesmerized, today we're, uh, I'm not sure what we are. Notice this. Let me maybe find a place to close. Smyrna Church age. The cloudy skies and storms of life are no signs of God's disapproval. Neither are bright skies and still waters signs of His love and approval. But His approval of any of us is only in the beloved. His love is elective which He had for us before the foundation of the world. Does He love us? Oh, yes. How shall we know? We shall know because he said so. And manifested that he did love us for he brought us to himself and gave us of his spirit placing us as his sons and how shall I prove my love to him? Everybody want to know? By believing what he said and conducting myself with joy. Amidst the trials that he and his wisdom allows to come to pass. How many needs help? How many needs help with the joy of the Lord? Well, let's stand and ask Him. So you see, Satan has quite an advantage on you. He said thousands of years to understand human beings. And believe it or not, we become the nature of one behind us. So much of our behavior has been lived out before. 
right? So it's not like you're this super elite type of individual. No, you're just 1,337 that he's dealt with just like you. People in the days of Noah, people in the days of Nimrod, all them different types, same, same type of thing. So he studies our makeup, he studies our nature, and he knows exactly what will work with us. Some people have a very addictive nature. So Satan knows how to make substances, alcohol, different things of life to make them very addictive. Satan knows there's some people that have such complexes. There's the size of this church building right here. And they constantly feel like they're not loved, they're not appreciated, they're not made over. They constantly need this and this. No, really what they need is a healing from within. That'll help them to go on. They're not looking for recognition from man or praise of man. But they're wanting to be changed from within. Well, praise the Lord. So what does he do? He steadies you and he follows your life. And he starts the same sequence of events in order that'll affect you. And you're a child of God. You love God. Many of you are filled with the Holy Ghost. But yet your joy is gone. You come to the house of God when you want to. Well, you want to go to church today? I don't know. I was kind of thinking about a trip up to Rome Mountain. Why in the world would you trade off Rome Mountain when you could have missed this this morning? Now, some of y'all thinking about right now, I don't know, Rome, Rome Mountain might have been a lot easier. It would have been a lot easier on your stinking flesh, but Rome Mountain won't get your rapture ready. <laughs> mm. So Satan sits back and just watches. Look at him. Look at him. They talk about the seven thunders, seven seals. They shout about Malachi 4 and Luke 17, 30. Look at him. Ain't already got no joy. They're so miserable. Where's the shout among them? Where's the shout of the king? Where's that worshiping and rejoicing? And, my, where, where is it? Praise God. Well, I'll tell you one thing. He may succeed in taking my joy, but he's not going to succeed in keeping my joy. Now, I've got to be honest with you this morning. If my joy was reached the depths of revelation that my faith has, I'd be the happiest person on the face of the earth. Satan don't move my faith. As far as my faith and the promise of the word, faith and the message there, no, no. But he does move my joy. I'm just going to be honest with you. What I'm waiting for is for the revelation to strike me about my joy. And it being just as much my inheritance as my faith is, that when things external from myself happen beyond my control, that in the midst of it all, I've still got peace with the Lord. Now, does it mean I'm still jumping around and shouting around? Well, no, there's certain times you don't feel like jumping. There's times you're looking for that truck that run over you. Y'all ever get up like that? You're just looking for that truck to run over. Say, what in the world happened? But I still believe there is a way to maintain the joy of the Lord in our heart. When we are so sick, we can't raise our head up off of the bed. When we are so tired, we can't go. And we just get so frustrated with life in itself that we just wish we could go on. If not, these scriptures I read to you this morning are a lie. We might as well all go out away from here and never come back to church again and go on and go to hell. But you and I both know God's word is true. The problem is not God. 
The problem is us. Let's bow our heads, if you will, this morning. I don't mean to scold you. Oh, my. Will you be honest with me today? Maybe some of you, Satan is attacking your faith in the Word and promise word of the hour, the message of the hour. Maybe others with you, as we go on into this, you'll see other avenues that he's trying to attack you. But remember, however his attack comes, the Spirit of God will help us. I don't believe just that the bride's going to go out of here with just, just miracles alone. People get in their mind, boy, this super church, it'll be miracles every day. There's going to be miracles. Brother, Brother Darrell just posted this morning on a minister's chat that we was on. Just got back in from Poland Friday night. Brother there in the meeting, Brother Darrell went off the platform, prayed for him. He had two canes, one in one hand, one in the other. Couldn't even walk without them. Brother Darrell offered prayer for him. The man threw away his canes and now he's walking as well as anybody else can. Does our God do such? He does such. If our God can give a man strength back in his legs, cannot he restore the fruit of joy in our lives? Dealing and Laodicea. Don't you get sick of it, friends? Don't you just get sick of Satan robbing you when you make up your mind and you hear a sermon that just stirs your heart and you make up your mind, God, that's the truth. That's the truth. I don't want it. And all hell will break loose around you when you try to go to get it as your own. But just keep confessing his word. And the prophet said, keep saying it until you believe it. Amen. Praise God. I may let you be remembered today before the Lord. Now I'm going to pray for you. Will you pray for me? Heavenly Father, you've spoken to our hearts last night and today. Lord Jesus, I thank you for it. Somehow or another, Lord, you know that these are the scriptures and quotes that I'd sent to Brother Jim and Brother Mike on them for last night's service. Lord, I, I, I don't think all the years that I've been here that I've ever done what I did this morning. I texted Brother Jim and told him, I'll not be sending you any more scriptures and quotes because I'm going to preach from the ones I was supposed to preach from last night. But you took that service and you went a total different way. Now I look at it and I see why. You was getting us ready for this morning. Oh, Father, we soared in that heavenly realm last night. But Lord, this morning we've been back down here in this two-thirds realm where we live. You give us a perfect depiction of ourself from last night and today. Praise God. You spoke to the soul last night. Revelated truths that would bring us higher in Christ Jesus. You spoke to our flesh, our spirit today, oh God. Telling us how to conduct ourselves with the revival in our souls. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Lord Jesus, I don't want to be a fruitless Christian. I don't want to be a Christian Lord or a preacher that just preaches and labors and does all kinds of things for people around the world and no real joy, no peace. Oh, Father God, I feel like I'm not the only one here today that would say that. I'm sure there's mamas, daddies, young Christians, older Christians, because many times of family problems and issues that's beyond their control, and Satan uses another person in their life to constantly rob their joy 
And they'll arrive to a spot to where they think, praise God, I'm doing better. And then that other person does this or that or the other, and there's their joy gone again. And we can't change that person. We can't move them out, whether it's a husband or a wife or whatever more, but yet it's just they're constantly there. Lord, we don't want rid of them, so to speak. We don't wish them out of our lives necessarily, but we wish for an understanding to help us to see there is victory over such, Lord. How in the world could Paul sit in a Roman jail, barely any food to eat and water to drink and rats running over his body as it lay down at night, and yet say, I've found in whatever state I find myself in to be content. When he wrote some of the great epistles of the New Testament of joy and peace and of the blessing of God. And there that man was sitting in jail with not another change of clothes and the stench. Oh God of his own body and the bodies of others that were there. Lord, hardly enough light to even read and write by and down in a dungeon. Lord Jesus, how was the man able to talk about joy? He had broke into an understanding. That the joy came beyond his circumstances. It came beyond the smell of around him. It came beyond the lack of food and the lack of nourishment and the lack of proper clothes. It come from within him. Help us to see, Lord Jesus, this joy that I'm talking about this morning is not happy because our bills are paid. Happy because we got a new job or a new car. Happy because things are going well. It's happy because our names are written down in the Lamb's book of life. Happy because you died for us. Happy because you redeemed us. It's your joy in us, Father. We love you today, Lord. We worship you with all of our hearts, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. How many with me be honest this morning? Just raise your hand, God. I need more joy. I ain't talking about human joy. I'm talking about the joy of the Lord, which is my strength. Give us that understanding, Father, of how to have enjoy and possess real joy while dealing in a very troubled world. Help us, Father. We love you, Lord Jesus, with all of our hearts. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. How many believes it? Amen. How many is going to have it? Amen. Is it yours? Yes. You'll have to fight for every inch you get. But it will be worth it in Christ Jesus. Turn around and confess to somebody. It's mine. Sing for us, Harry. Listen, friends, there's something about you saying God's Word and you hearing yourself say it. I know some of you think that's the modern day of theology. Name it, claim it stuff. No, that is the truth. The prophet said, you say it until you believe it. For those of you in the service of Brother Ron's the other day, I spoke about that on Sunday morning. I said, some of you smart people need to write an app. Or the rest of us can get in there and record our voice and go to hearing things. Well, as we coming down the road, Erica got to looking at one, and then me and Carol got to looking at one, and I found one where you're able actually to record your own voice. 
And you know what they said on that app? They sent me a reminder last night after I got in after church. That's not, not so much religious, it's not a message one. But they said there's power in repeating your words. This is a reminder. You need to listen to your affirmations, which is what I call them. I'm saved. I'm delivered. I'm healed. I'm his. He's mine. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. There's something about hearing yourself say it. Oh, it's crazy. No, it's not. You've talked to yourself for years and years about how low down you are, how rotten you are. That's why you can't move no higher because you believe what you say. Amen. Hallelujah. It's time that our self-talk lines up with the word. By stripes, I'm healed. The devil is no match for me. I'm an overcomer. I'm redeemed. I am selected. I am called. I am chosen. I am faithful. I'm part of the bride of Christ. No one can take my place. I'm needed in the body of God. Come on, saints. I have joy. I have peace. I have healing. I have deliverance. The rapture is for me. The wedding supper is for me. The body change is for me. I'm going to be in the millennium. I've got a mansion over in glory. The future home is for me. Oh, hallelujah. Instead of filling our minds with all the darkness and corruption. Why not feed on some positive things? Let's sing here. Make them happy. Praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, have you got it? Have you got it? Have you got it like the Bible says? Have you got it? bow our heads together if you would. Oh, Heavenly Father, how good it's been to be together today. I pray, Lord Jesus, you'd help us to take these things, think upon them, Lord, and make them part of who we are. Forgive us, Lord, for letting that little old beetle rob us of our joy and our peace. Oh, he can't break that seal. 
For many of us, no doubt, he's done give up on that a long time ago. But he works on our fruits. He works on those things that bother us and affect us and can't rob us of our Holy Ghost. But he tries to make us miserable. Forgive us, Lord Jesus. It will truly be a miracle for your people being able to walk out of this evil dark age with the joy of the Lord. But I believe there's going to be somebody that's going to do it, Lord. It's your promise. And you cannot take back your promises. Go with us now, Father. Bring us back again Wednesday night, if it be pleasing to you, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Amen. That means it's been good to be in the house of the Lord today. Amen. Oh, I've got it. Yes, I've got it.